0: oh there we go he's already already recording okay let's get your bio up here for me to sorry hi everyone and welcome to the latest edition of on point uh today i have someone who's actually inspired me around uh podcasting uh dennis gianutos Uh, Dennis, it's wonderful to have you on here. I'm going to embarrass you by reading your full bio, not because the bio is embarrassing, but I think it's incredibly impressive. Uh, And for those listening in, I think you're in for a little bit of a a treat today. Uh, Dennis is the CEO and founder of Leading Change Partners. It's an organization that transforms uh, business and leaders to lead a, a bigger game in a disruptive world. Uh, Dennis is a highly respected international facilitator and executive coach and importantly amongst other things He's the host of the podcast Uh, Leadership is changing Um, He's had 30 years experience uh, Successfully working in the business and human resource space. Um, I know from my own experience a strong leader and communicator uh, With the ability to articulate connect and work across all levels of the organization Uh, an impressive background Uh, including being the global delivery lead, executive development and top talent program leader for Hewlett-Packard, of course, a Fortune 20 uh, company. Amongst all of this too, he's the co-author of a book called Secrets of Inspiring Leaders Exposed, and he's currently writing another book on leadership. Dennis, uh, wonderful to have you on this little podcast. Welcome. Simon,
1: great to be here, and I'm loving what you're doing with your podcast. I think it's fantastic, and congratulations to you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. And um, it was something I'd been thinking of doing uh, for a while, uh, but it was actually talking to you on a flight uh, one day between Auckland and Wellington, where we just happened to bump into each other to hear about the work uh, you were doing. Um, So that in itself was uh, quite inspirational. And I see as we're going to air your podcast, um, 20,000 downloads. Now, I mean, that's seriously impressive stuff.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's um, it's a real pleasure to get to that level, um, and you know the, the listeners are loving it, and and it's just great. And I actually am a bit like a, a kid in a candy store, if I can put it that way. I can't get enough of it, and uh, I just want to do more and more of it, and and help other people doing the same.
0: Well, tell us how, if you would first and foremost, why did you get into podcasting? Why has it become important uh, for you? and for the business you lead. And then let's delve a little bit into to business and leadership as you understand it. So, yeah, why did you get into podcasting?
1: Well, it's actually so the story started a few years ago, whereby here I was traveling the world with Hewlett Packard, developing leaders and executives and high performance teams. And then I got to a stage whereby my, my voice is the tool, right? So I don't have a hammer or a forklift. It is the tool. And so when you're doing this executive coaching and facilitation, your voice has got to be clear. Well, my voice started to become quite raspy and quite hoarse. And um, and as as the specialist called it, quite breathy. And what we found is I had a tumor on my left vocal cord. And so for me, I either thought my role was over, my job, or my life's over. You know, what's going on? And to cut a long story short, they removed it and came back as being benign, uh, non-cancerous. And um, then I thought, well, yay, you've been given a second chance at life. Go out and do what you've really been wanting to do for quite a while, and that is start your own business, doing the executive coaching and leadership development and tra- and team building side of things. And so I did. Then that's leading change partners. But then, if you think about my voice journey over the years, and and then following that passion around execs and leadership and development and teams, I thought, well, when we went into lockdown just over a year ago, I thought I'm not going to sit around doing nothing for a while. So I'm going to make good use of the time, and that's why I decided to launch the podcast called "Leadership Is Changing" and and launched it right there and then, and and got underway. And and um, yeah, I mean now I think uh, we're at episode 193, 193, just within just uh, just over 15 months' time, and um, and it's been wonderful. And so I do three events, three events, three three episodes a week, uh, two interviews, and then also a freestyle episode whereby. I'm asked a question by by the listeners, or I will share some thoughts on some some learnings uh, based on working with leaders around the globe. So it's, and that's and that's that's how I started it, right? That's because I had some downtime, thought I'll make good use of the time. But also, if you think about the voice journey, I want to make good use of my voice now that it's clear, and also the helping other leaders with their voice and helping them get their voice out heard across the globe. And that's that's why I, I decided to start it.
0: Well, it's clear, with as I say, that the sheer number of downloads you've had, the accolades—I accolades, accolades rather—I know you've been given—and the fact that you're almost at two hundred podcasts, huge achievement in itself. But if I might, you've helped uh, this little politician uh, facilitate his voice a bit uh, further. So a big, a big thanks for that, and um, we'll make sure listeners to put links to uh, Dennis's podcast, "Leadership Is Changing," um, into this so that you can uh, track it down. It's well well worth listening. I mean, for you then, Dennis, has the podcast journey been uh, particularly positive? I mean, it's obviously evolved, I don't know, bigger than you thought or this? Yeah, tell us how you've found it so far.
1: Yeah, good question, because like a lot of people in life, I sort of procrastinated a little bit. I mean, I decided I wanted to do it and actually studied uh, people doing podcasts uh, around the world for about a year and um, had the artwork done, had everything done, ready to go, just didn't execute just didn't get on with it and um and then so sometimes in life you just need a little bit of a push and so when we went into that lockdown it was like oh things are sort of going a little bit funny here around business wise and i've had a lot of gigs or workshops and that cancelled or postponed because of that so then i had to turn around and do something so i thought okay let's get on with that and so the journey's been quite a while, but then when I got underway with it, it's the, the learning curve was massive, and so I had to have some people around me. And I think the big key around anybody in business and life and anything you want to do is you've got to have the right people around you all the time to to help you work you th- work through about where you want to go. And for me, I had the right people around me, teaching me, showing me, and guiding me, and supporting me to get things done. And and that's what we have to do. And whatever it is, even if you're looking thinking about the Olympics, Paralympics, whatever it is, they've all got coaches, they've all got mentors around them, and uh, any high-performing person will actually make sure they have the right team around them for sure.
0: So actually, a few questions developing there because I mean, firstly, I want to actually get to your perceptions of leadership and how it's changing. But you've talked about the right teams, and you've talked about coaching. So if I could start with that, and you know, coaching is something that you do. What what is it that you bring to these? Businesses is that you're coming with all the ideas. Um, I, I'm playing up a duality here for the sake of um, you know, simplicity, but as a coach, is it, yeah, are you imparting your experience and knowledge or is it drawing out from them what they already know or a mixture of both?
1: Well, it's a mixture of both, but I think a lot of it is a lot of people get confused between the difference of coaching versus mentoring. For me, the way I look at it, coaching is asking somebody a series of questions to get them from where they are to where they need to get to and versus mentoring, whereby I'm a subject matter expert in a certain topic. So then I would share with you my experiences, my um, my thoughts, but also my network and all that to help you in that subject matter area, right? So that's that's the difference. So when I'm working with businesses and they're, t- they're the, either the exec team or the leadership team below them and so forth, it's more about helping them on, on an individual basis or as a team to start thinking differently So the thing that I bring to the table is I ask really good questions and I ask questions that are going to actually be thought provoking for them. In fact, at times I will challenge their thinking to say, you know, where they're at with things and what are they noticing right now and and helping them through it. For a lot of leaders today, they've got so much on, they're they're doing so many things that there is it's a bit cloudy for them at times. They don't have clarity. And if I get them to have that clarity about where they're going or what they're wanting to do, whether it be a strategy and so forth, then that's what I will help them do. Some I don't know about you, but I've, what I've noticed is that everywhere I go, people have got strategies. Is that most? What tends to happen is the leader will get up the uh, once a year up front, and they have these beautiful PowerPoint slides, and and everyone's out there clapping. They're going, "Yay! This is the this is the strategy." And then the leader says, "Great! Now go out there and make it happen and see in a year's time." And most people go, "Huh?" I don't even understand what it means and because for a lot of it, it gets pushed down their throat or it's said to them in a way that that is not very well, clearly communicated. And what do I mean by that? I think there are a lot of people that can talk, the the heads up front talking, but they're not actually connecting with people because everyone can communicate. Few can connect and it's the connecting piece that's really important. Because if they take that strategy and they put it on a beautiful A3 piece of paper and sometimes if it's really important, they'll laminate it and then they go and stick it up in the kitchen area where the tea and coffee people are making and people look at it and they read it and expecting people to understand it and they don't. And I think the most important thing that leaders can do is connect to their audience, to their teams by taking people on the journey, by sharing stories, metaphors and making it relevant for people them to understand and that's why i'm in coaching that's why i do coaching that's why i've done it for many years around the world with various leaders and it's quite interesting to see whether somebody is a ceo or frontline leader they all go through the same things it's just a scale thing right and it's a different kind of dialogue but at the end of the day people are people
0: they are and i was was grinning as you were talking that through because over my uh, life journey shall we say Um, have certainly been in those one- or two-day talks where the CEO um, appears and you say lots of PowerPoints and sticky notes and great visions and values are articulated. Uh, You're left with that laminate. Um, You never see the the leadership again, but you're just told to go and do it. And you're not quite – well, maybe you're clear about what it is now, but you're not sure how to to get there. And I, I suppose in my limited experience compared to you, The leaders which keep coming back to help guide, shape, direct, and cooperate uh, achieve the results. Um, The leaders that don't just tend to get angry and get demanding at the end of why didn't you achieve it? And you go, well, I not know how. thought you'd give me a bit Mm. more guidance. Yeah. And and the way that I I share
1: it with leaders is that I ask them how they're going to bring it to life for the employees. How they're going to bring it to life for their customers and their stakeholders. Because if they can do that, that's when people are going to buy into it. I don't know, but have you ever heard that saying before? Best thing since sliced bread. Well, then, oh yes. Yeah. You know, what? Yeah. But what do they mean by it? it? Means, you know, when they actually started to decide, well, they des- they decided to slice bread. It was the best invention, the best idea. Mm-hmm. Now, when a leader says something, most people go, ah, whatever. It's the leader. But then, if the leader is able to get them to come up with it, get their employees to come up with the ideas, it's the best thing since sliced bread. So they're going to buy into it. They're going to they're going to own it going forward. And you want people to own it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the leader has to stand up on stage and ask all the employees what they think, and I'm not, that's not what I'm getting at. But if they can communicate in a way and connect with the audience that's going to really help them get on board and buy into it and go on the journey with them, that's where I think you're seeing. And if you and I think about the people and leaders around the world who connect really well with people,
0: you can see why they are successful more than others. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I suppose I'm probably thinking more on the political realm, but some of the, the best political leaders, uh, and i better be clear on both sides of the political fence, left or right, are those that just have this incredible connection to the people they're engaging with. Even though they are immensely busy, when they talk to you, it's as if you're the only person that matters, and um, it's just a remarkable skill, and I've seen it in business too. Some of those formidable business leaders, they just make you feel very special, not indulged, but that they're right there with you right now. They are genuinely interested in you, which in turn means that you feel you can contribute. And if they critique, if they're pushing back, you don't feel disrespected. No, you're right. And I think that's, that's a skill set that's very
1: important and very effective if people can have that to, to you, to when I say use it, to put it in place, right? Because I think people do want to feel like they're being heard. People do feel like they're being listened to. They do feel like they want to be, you know, that they are the most important thing right there at the end of the time. The number of people, and I'm just going to reach for it here, the number of people that do this Simon is that they look at their phone while they're talking to you as they're responding to something. They're not present. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of leaders need to do today is turn those things off or put them to the side. When you're with somebody, Be with them, be present with them, Mm -hmm. because people want you to be present. Now, here's the thing that happens a lot, is that a lot of leaders actually tend to have a lot of problems in their team or some problems in their team, whereby if they just gave the person five minutes to let things off their chest and just get things across or just be heard, then for most of them, they're away, they're off, they're they're okay. But no, I'm a manager or I'm a leader and I'm too busy and I have done this and that. And I think that, that when I say leaders and managers, I'm talking right across the board, right? Whether it goes sporting, political, whatever it is, people are going to relate to a politician better if that politician is listening to them and that politician is with them at the point in time. What? Now, we have okay. a... We have, oh, yeah, sorry. Ooh. And then and then what actually... The other thing that happens here, Simon, is that they're being pulled left, right, and centre as well. I get it too, right? Because mm. there's a lot of people that are lining up to see them and want to talk to them as
0: well. I, I get that as well.
1: But... We've got to be with the people too and listen to them and um and take on board what they're saying
0: yeah and look i don't get this right but you know speaking as a politician i'm meant to represent people and if i'm not actually in the community from my perspective if i'm not in the community listening and talking to people then i can't represent them um and it is a challenge as it is in business because everyone's busy. So you've obviously touched on the coaching side, and you've used the word team quite a bit, uh, and not trying to, um, you know, steal your good ideas, so to speak, without paying for them. But I mean, how do you form a good team? I mean, diversity is a word that's thrown around a lot these days. Uh, but I suspect there's more to a good team than than that.
1: Oh, sure is. I mean, I think... Um a team that's doing really well is we'll go into then the high-performing side of things. And I think the old analogy that we have around the forming, storming, norming, and performing is really, really important. So you'll see a new leader come into an organisation or you'll see a change happen. So that team, even though it's been around for a while, might reform again and there might be some storming whereby there is some clickiness or some gossip or some areas and people are still not happy or still trying to work out roles and responsibilities and who's doing what. And then it goes into the norming where it comes a little bit uh, and then it goes into performing where it's really humming along well and doing well and you, you use the word just before about diversity and i think diversity is one thing for sure what i find with a lot of organizations that is just a tick in the box and that's mm-hmm. a problem for them right they use uh diversity and inclusion um or they call it dni uh, nowadays is that they will do the, the diversity side but they forget the inclusion piece or so when what we did in Hewlett Packard a few years ago is that we actually swapped it around and we went inclusion first, inclusion and diversity, because the diversity we were doing really well and um, Hewlett Packard quite an open com- uh, company around certain things in life and and so forth. But the inclusion piece needed to have some focus. I, I interviewed a um, a senior leader of an IT company, um, a global company that he is he's responsible for mobility. Now we're not talking about uh, expats moving from one country to another. It's the mobility of people being disabled or people being, um, and that disabled could be all sorts of things. So even when I went through my, my journey with the voice, there was the voice dysphonia. So then, you know, what could we do around that to help me in the workplace? There was nothing there to support me at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, in New Zealand, I know today that apparently, well, I, I know today talking to
0: my specialists and that,
1: there's no voice dysphonia support groups.
0: And I would I love just to start. Want to elaborate on that, actually, because there'll be some listeners who don't know what voice dysphonia is. Sorry to throw you on that curveball, but it'd be good for some people to understand that. I didn't know what it was either, but I just knew I had it. And that was it's when your voice, when
1: you're not able to speak clearly and there's something going with your voice. And now for some people, it could be a tumour. For others, it could be throat cancer. For others, it could be um, a node on, on their vocal cords. It's just it's just a little bit of a your voice is not clear and um and people say to me well what do you mean and i go well because the voice isn't like that now so what i mean by is i think of a guy called tony robbins as a motivational speaker his voice is quite raspy as uh, that was that it was that fact my voice was worse than that so it's your voice dysphonia is whereby you're not able to clearly speak or get the voice out without being too breathy or so forth right our vocal cords this is going to be interesting our vocal cords are amazing our vocal cords close 160 times per second. and that means not just you speaking, but even if I do the <clears throat> that noise or anything like that, they're closing. It has two apparently it has two sort of things it does. One is it closes for us to swallow, but then the other one is for it to make noise. And if you've got a tumor there, then there's going to be gaps, of course, and of mm-hmm. course, that's where the ear escapes. So it's quite interesting to hear what our voices sound like. And what it does, what the vocal cords do to make that sound is really interesting. So voice dysphonia, in a nutshell, is really just to say, when your voice is not clear or you're not able to speak clearly or easily, that there's something there that's sort of stopping you.
0: Oh, well, no, thank you for that. I mean, again, one of the great things I'm finding as I talk to different people on podcasts is the funny little tangents and learnings that you you have. Hey, when you've spoken again, of uh, coaching, we've touched a little bit on teams, but of course, you're primary work and certainly in your podcast is about leadership is changing. So mm. what is leadership for you? What's a good yeah, cool. leader?
1: Yeah, good. I'll explain that. Just going back about the voice, and the dysphonia, that's my take on it, right? That's my layman's terms and my take on it. That's how I, I sort of, just, when people ask me that question, that's how I say it. Now, what is leadership to me? Is that is that
0: what you're asking? Yeah. Just throw you that, mm. you know, simple question. <laughs> well, I
1: think it comes down to one word influence and that is if you're able to influence others that's a great thing leadership is not a title who cares if you're a ceo or of a general manager or a, or a team leader of, a, of an organization that's one thing but if you are not living and breathing the attributes and the skills and and everything that comes with leadership then i don't think you are a leader but don't I'm not saying that you have to be perfect because we're not all perfect, right? We're all learning. We're all doing things. And I think the important thing is that we do learn from things. But if you can't think about influence, that's the one word that's really, really important. Somebody who works for an organization and has got a, a management title and so forth can be a leader. But everyone's following that person because their compensation and benefits are associated with that person. I always find that if you're taking a walk and if you turn back as a leader and if you've got people following you, then you're a leader. But if you're taking a walk and you look back and nobody's looking at, and nobody's with you, then you're just taking a hike by yourself. That's all you're doing. And so I think the big thing here for us as leaders is to understand that it's influence. If you think about your community and the community I'm in and so forth, what we have is different organizations, the local school and so forth, the the trustee of the of the school and that for a lot of that is the volunteers. And i think that's where we see the biggest amount of leadership because that's where you have to be more influential than in anywhere else because people don't work for you they want to feel like they're part of the team they feel like they're part of the journey and so they'll go with you if you've got that strong leadership skill and ability to do that
0: i think that's actually a really neat way to think about it and i'll be honest it's not one that i've articulated so well or so clearly certainly within the political or parliamentary realm i often say particularly young people that there are actually many ways to bring about influence because there are so many who feel that uh, the only way they can is to be a leader in parliament, which, of course, is they want to be an MP, go for it. But actually there are so many other avenues picking up on your leadership theme where people can influence and bring about, bring about change and have people walking with them and not finding themselves on a lonely, lonely hike. So how do you find that leadership is changing? Again, this is the title of your podcast. You've interviewed almost 200 people Uh, people. um, Distill that for us.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, uh, in my introduction of the show, I talk about that the only thing that's constant at the moment is, well, not only thing, but one of the major things that are constant in our lives today is change. Change Mm. is happening so much and so often, and it's changing so quick. Why is it happening so quick? Well, maybe because technology is making it go quicker. We as as human beings are expecting things to, to, to get things quicker. Um, I want to be able to order something and get it right there and then if I can. Um, If I can't, then I'll probably go and look elsewhere. That's just the way we are. And I think so. change is happening so quickly, but I also think there's something else that's happening around leadership is changing. Two things. One is we go from email to email, meeting to meeting, and many of us are not changing quick enough as leaders, so we're running the risk of being left behind is one thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is is that if most people today in organisations – whether they're in the community, employees, other customers, they are looking at leaders differently nowadays. They want leaders to be not behind the mask, which is quite ironic that we're wearing masks today. They want leaders to be real, authentic, and transparent more than ever. And that's the real big thing that we're actually seeing. Simon, I had this leader, this exec that I was working with, as we were going into lockdown last year. And this is what he said to me. I'm just going to wait for it to blow over. And I'm like, what? Now, hindsight, we were going to be waiting for a long time. Now, I said, no, you won't. He goes, what do you mean? I went, no, your team needs you to step up now more than ever. They need you to lead with the vision, even though it's scary, even though it's the unfamiliar territory. We don't know where we're going, but they need you to lead now more than ever. So you have to step up now. And what we found is that leaders did step up. And those without management titles and so forth, uh, some of them stood up, where others who had management titles didn't. And mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting to see how people have gone. So I have nine standard questions I ask people in my podcast about leadership is changing. And one of them is, you know, in this fast-paced, ever-changing world, what do you think is one thing that leaders need to do differently nowadays? And, and, and things along, along those lines, right? Because I'm wanting to know how people and leaders are thinking today. I also think that a lot of leaders' voices need to be heard more, hence why I've started the podcast. Because if you think about my voice journey, once, one thing, right? But then also I want other leaders' voices to be heard. And it comes down to a friend of mine that I actually interviewed on a, on a podcast, on an episode, and this is what she said to me. Because she knew my voice from before. Your voice, because it was quite hard at times to get my voice out, your voice was a voice of silence but now it's the voice of impact Gosh. and just that put shivers and down my back. I was like, whoa. And so that's why, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was I like, I like doing that. Now, I, the other reason was I love interviewing people. And if I think about people of the past who've had different TV programs, Larry King, um, There's there's a few other names that are escaping me right now, but people who have done some beautiful interviews around the world with people on their shows. I just love watching them, how they do it, and being able to ask questions based on what people are saying. Because I think in coaching, and it also relates to interviewing people, is this. Listen to what they're saying, and it actually is around leadership too. Listen to what they're saying, but listen to what they're not saying. And if I can tap into what they're not saying, that's an awesome thing
0: to be able to do for sure. So
1: that's that's why, in a sort of, I've I've started with the leadership is changing podcast,
0: which again I I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And you know, leadership manifests itself in in different ways: business, voluntary sector, political. Um, but again, from my vantage point, which is not as experienced as yours, there are still some some common themes. Um, one thing that jumps to mind because you said leadership's changing, it's changing fast. the The French have their saying souple change and then it carries on. you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Do you think that adage is correct, or is leadership in modern times no, it's just changing and it's different. Are the French right?
1: Good question. i um I, I actually think there are the foundations of the same. I think there is things that are still the same, still solid uh, foundation things, but it's just been done differently or it's getting faster. In other words, you know, for a lot of people, they're having to lead teams virtually now more than they had to before. Um, Others have to um, have a business now that used to be global. That's now just probably more local because of the fact that they can't get things out out of the country or they can't have people travel now like they used to. there are things whereby people like employees are expecting more from leaders than they were from before. So I think in a nutshell here, though, Simon, we, this is microscope on leaders, and it's getting... Their microscope is actually zoning in a lot more of the leader. So they want that leader to be authentic. In other words, be a human, be be vulnerable, is what people are wanting them to be more like. In fact, the word I'm thinking of is that they actually want them to be more relatable. Mm. And so... Um, I'm seeing all different aspects of that kind of leadership changing, and people are looking at things differently. But at the end of the day, leadership is leadership. The fundamentals are the same, but it's how it's it's not just what we do, it's how we do it that's going to change a lot. And I think that's that's the big key.
0: Well, then a final question then, amongst all the leaders that you've uh, been inspired hmm. by or observed, uh, and I know you ask this question of people on your podcast, so I'm going to bounce it back. Um, who would be uh, one of? You can, if you need to, you can have a couple. But who would mm-hmm. be a leader that you look to and go, "That's an inspiration. That's my favourite leader."
1: Uh, my dad and my grandfather, and I'll explain why. Um, my grandfather, my my dad is from. Uh, greece and uh, he came my dad came to new zealand 61 years ago um as an immigrant to new zealand and and was in the coffee industry right so i've grown up in the coffee industry in new zealand and so mum and dad have been involved in that and so he came in but you know every day after school school holidays weekends uh we were working at the shop so at the age of seven i was always working at the shop now people could say, well, what, don't get me wrong, we, we we still went out and did the movies, still did the kid things, but when it was, when it was daylight saving and summertime and we'd come home by 5, 5.30, 6, we would have dinner. But my dad was the only dad in the whole neighbourhood that went down to the park with all the kids to play cricket, touch rugby, soccer. He was the only dad, knowing he was the only dad that had to get up at 4 a.m. the next morning to go Gosh. to the cafe, right? So, so his work ethic... And the way that he worked, and he continues to work, and the guy's turning 80 in uh, early next year, and he's still working. He's still up at 5, 5.15 in the morning. He's out the door, at 10 past 6, to go to the roaster, roasting coffee and so forth. He's still working, and his work ethic. So that's been inspirational to me. Uh, and the second thing one would be, um, is my grandfather, his father, my dad's father, whereby he was on the island for, for 28 years. He was the president of the island. Um and he uh the island was at the time I think three hundred people. Today it's down to sort of twenty-eight people in the winter. I guess about hundred and twenty people in the summer. It's an island that's below Corfu, where Prince Philip was born. So it's oh, a little yes. bit low below there. Yeah. Um and in fact, two islands along is where Onassius, uh the, the Greek shipping yes. tycoon who married um Jackie Kennedy, yeah. he he that's where the island is. And so it's around that area there. And um what I every time i go back to the island i feel like i'm floating on here i i can't it's hard to explain but um it's almost i mean i was born in new zealand i grew up in new zealand um and mum's not greek uh, Mum's from wanganui and uh, we, we that's how we grew up here and and but my grandfather i've only met him nine months of of uh, throughout my whole life right so i've only been with him nine months so i had six months as a five-year-old and then three months with him when i was a 21 year old that's the only time i've been with him face to face but I've heard from others and I've seen what he's done and, and how he's done it. And what he used to do as a leader is that he used to go to the mainland and he would fight for the people. He would fight for the businesses. He would fight to, and when I say fight, he would go into the main offices of the political, um, the, the politicians and that, cause he was a politician too, but he, I'm talking about the sort of the, the central government and he was demanding things for the people on the Island. And, um, and so, just to hear him what he did there, and then how he transitioned that island going forward, uh, it's been really cool. And then my dad's cousin has taken that over from him, and and he's done a lot to that whole island. And so, only only 20 going 20 years now they've had running water, um, and um, so it's been pretty amazing to see. So they they've been the two 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 people for me that have been quite inspirational for me as a, as a leader um and so yeah that's those two and then there's the third person if i'm allowed the third person Go for it. yeah there's a guy called john maxwell uh john maxwell is an author a speaker he's written about 80 books on leadership and people and teams and john was a pastor about 40 years ago and then the corporate world uh said to him hey look we really want to love what you do can you come out and show us what to do and so he's been focusing a lot on that as well not very well known here in new zealand in the us he's well known and um, the kind of guy that sort of talks about things, and he's he's got these phrases, and one is everyone communicates, few connect. But the other one he uses is, everything rises and falls on leadership. And if we think about things that are around, even just in New Zealand, the political scene, right? Everything rises and falls on leadership. And it's amazing how how a lot of that actually uh, pans out, and, and we've seen for, for sure that happening here in, in New Zealand.
0: Well, those are, Three quite particular figures. I'm going to go and have to look up John Maxwell. I must admit, I don't think I know him. Embarrassed now, the fact that he's written 80 books. But marvellous <laughs> to hear your the family connections too. I think I I would say, and I'm, I'm probably guessing, but I think most people will also look back that there's someone in their family that has inspired them uh, in some way. And great to hear about your dad and granddad. Hey, um, before we ramp up, how do people... Uh, find you? How do they find your podcast or connect with you?
1: Yeah, good. I'm, I mean, I'm on all social media. So, um, Dennis Ginutsos, Um I do have a group called Leadership is Changing on Facebook and a page on LinkedIn, Leadership is Changing. Website, LeadingChangePartners.com. Um, but um yeah, feel free to reach out to me if you need to. Uh, private message on social media. And uh, Simon, I'll get those links to you. So, uh, you've got those for your listeners.
0: Well, Deda. look, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And as I started, thank you for your encouragement and inspiration to me to get into this uh, world. But look, thank you for what you do for leaders uh, in New Zealand and around the world. And I look forward to chatting to you again.
1: Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me on as your guest.